Hey, Denim Heads, and welcome back to the Sons of Selvage podcast. This is episode four. Uh, we're a new podcast where a group of friends get together to talk about denim and related interests. Each episode, we'll try and cover, cover a few different things, including current interests, what we've been up to lately, news, what's happening in the denim industry and around it, discussion topics. This episode, we're going to talk specifically about favorite garments from our collection and why, and Q&A, uh, answering questions that you send our way. You've met the founders of the podcast in the first episode, but we'll do a quick roll call. I'm David. Hi, I'm Andy. Hi, Alexis here. Hey, it's Kevin. I'm Ilya. And it's Tom last. <laughs> so current interests, let's talk about what we've been up to recently. This section's a round table where we'll discuss whatever we're into at the moment. Uh, it's not necessarily limited to denim or boots. Maybe you'll find a new interest for yourself in this episode. Since um, our last episode, when Ilya mentioned he was playing a, a new game, Ghost of Tsushima, Sounded so interesting that I started looking into it, and uh, I actually bought it as well. So I've been uh, I've been playing that game for the last like two or three weeks or so. Um, it is very very good. Like literally, as you explained it, it's like a combination of Assassin's Creed, Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, it's just it's just amazing. Yeah, it's 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 an excellent game. I've just literally finished it uh, last uh, two days ago. And nice. um, yeah, really thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, I'm hoping they'll do a part two at some point. Yeah, that'd be maybe amazing. For, maybe for PS5. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I've got a long way to go. So I've got a few few hours ahead of me of gameplay. So, but I'm uh, looking forward to it. It's just something really nice about riding a horse in a game. I don't know what it is. I found that in Red Dead Redemption as well. Like, it's just so much more satisfying than driving a car around. Or, you know, it's weird, but. Yeah, it's awesome. It can be really relaxing. It is, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, I played uh, Breath of the Wild a while back, and like you've got a lot of horse riding in that, and it's like really mm-hmm. kind of high fidelity all the stuff you can do. And I've still been playing uh, The Last of Us. I haven't quite finished the first one yet. And there's like a horse scene in it where it's like, oh, we got to chase after the girl. Let's get on horses. And it's like the most like basic, can't do anything, just kind of like go backwards, go forwards, or like turn around <laughs> horse riding. I was like, man, this is kind of shit, but it's so fun. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they uh, put too much money in that department when they were making that game. Yeah. Wow. I did always enjoy the horse riding in Skyrim because like you'd fall off a mountain and just everything would die. <laughs> so realistic. <laughs> Horse flips you off with his hoof on the way down. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. I guess I'll throw one out there. So uh, I'm trying to do Inktober again this year. It's like, um, uh, I guess, an Instagram-based thing where you basically try and draw a picture every day in October. Uh, I think most people do it in ink, but like it's not limited to doing it in ink. Um, So I'm trying to do it every day this October. And every cartoon or drawing I'm going to do is is in some way going to try and be politically related. Do you follow the cues that you get every day? Like, there's a word every day, right? That you like. I just make one up. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the cue system has cool, but I was just like, ah, I'll just, just come up. It's hard enough to have one idea. <laughs> so yeah, true. Just trying to see like what I can come up mm. with. Awesome, though. I'm really bad at drawing, so I passed on that one. A couple of my colleagues are doing it as well, so yeah. I can go next. Um, so, um, as well as starting the TCB um, Sufu Super Future uh, contest pair of jeans um, at the beginning of September, um, so working my way through those, um, I've also had the chance of um, 
shooting a video on um, on a chap called Stephen Kenny, um, and he runs a letterpress in uh, Hackney Wick. Um, he's got a studio there. It's called Problem Press, and um, he's uh, he's been really busy over the last. Uh, six months during COVID doing uh, some amazing posters and uh, paste ups. Um, um, so my friend and I had a, had a great chance to visit his studio, um, shoot um, a kind of montage video for the blog and for, for his purposes as well. Um, and just uh, and have an interview with him as well, just kind of what motivates him and those kind of things. And um, yeah, it was really fun. And he's a really interesting guy. And um, so that'll be coming to the blog soon. And um, yeah, I hope you guys will, will enjoy it. Um, he's had some really interesting collaborations this year as well. Um, he's worked with Papa Noy, um, General Quarter Store, um, Godspeed store in uh, Australia. That poster is so cool as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and um, who else? And, and he's doing something with Full Count as well. So he's he's kind of mixing in our circles as well, which is uh, really interesting. Um, when I met him, That's he cool. had a full Full Count uh, tux going on. So uh, <laughs> yeah, really, really, really cool guy. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, really excited to share that uh, with you guys. You have to see if you can get him to come to one of our one off. Yeah, yeah, he's well. he, he's up he's up for a drink. Um so yeah, maybe we can even do he 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 does paste up, so if you guys, you know, in the area and you want to go out and do something like that, he's uh he, he's cool to do that. So yeah. Check out check out his work. Yeah, his uh, Instagram is uh, Problem Press. Yeah, I think the the first time I heard of him was through full count because he's done quite a few different bits for them like little flyers and stuff i think mm. it was in clutch magazine as well so yeah yeah he, he's he, like expanding out yeah he, he did the poster for uh for clutch as well they, they've got it hanging on their wall and i think he did a little um uh day there where he was um showing people how to do um, certain types of, of, of pressing and things like that so his collection of all the letters is like insane as well. Like, yeah, so yeah. He, he he was showing some of the you know some of the the typefaces that he has and the custom ones that he's had made. Um, it was it was really cool, really cool. That's crazy. So I was uh, playing The Witcher three uh, over lockdown, which has been very fun. But then my girlfriend bricked my PlayStation, so I lost all my save. Yay! Oh no! So fun. Wow. Yeah. What, what, what's happened to it is it overheated no she like turned it off with a plug without switching it off um oh. so when i turned it on in the morning it was like you need to restart you need to restart you need to run in safe mode um so just had to rewrite everything Ooh. which meant i lost all my saves so ah. playing crusader kings 3 which just came out uh which is a pretty fun game you just get to be a king and you can you know romance anyone you want you can make your family inbred if you want like it's pretty hilarious that, that's, that sounds very <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah but but sometimes like you'll marry into a family and then suddenly like an empire that's taken over half of europe wants to go to war with you and it's sending a hundred thousand troops to attack your tiny little kingdom and you're like and <sighs> um, so yeah fun game um Cool. Um, not a huge amount for me. Uh, obviously, being a, a dad and working 
uh, takes up pretty much the majority of my time. Uh, the only things I've really been able to manage to do uh, every weekend, uh, mostly Friday nights, a bit of Call of Duty Warzone, which is probably the most played game at the moment. Um, but I've been playing it with the guys from uh, the Dungeon Punks podcast, um, particularly Bordy and Aga and Connor. So those of you who don't know, is a bunch of uh, guys from the hardcore punk scene up in the northwest of England. And they are getting absolutely owned by 10-year-old French kids. But um, that, that's kind of the, the way it is. Uh, and then other than that, I've been trying, because it is now October, to fit in a horror movie every day uh, under the uh, the 31 days of Halloween. Uh, I failed already. I mean, it's the 4th of October and I'm on halfway through my third film. Uh, but that's the way it is. But yeah, it's, it's good fun. And you just basically troll through Prime and Netflix uh, and just watch all the really, really trashy ones that are hidden on there on Prime for free. Does the presidential debate count as a horror film? <laughs> no, I see that more as a dark comedy. Oh, yeah. So after last episode where we were talking about independent uh, craft brands, um, on Ilya's recommendation, I contacted Mike from uh, Wild Frontier Goods and I've ordered myself a wallet. So... Ooh. He was a really nice guy, uh, messaged him on Instagram kind of saying what I wanted. And he was nice enough to basically to put one together for me, exactly what I wanted. So that is in the post at the moment, somewhere between Japan and Europe. Uh, so hopefully I'll get it at some point this week. So thanks for that recommendation, Ilya. What no, pro- kind of... no problem. What, what kind of leather did you go for? Just what I was going to ask. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. Oh, um, it is... Oh, God, I should probably know this. Um, um, it's the tan uh, one from the. It, you sh- You actually did he liked. Po- um, did he? Did he post it up recently? Yeah, it's the one he posted. Uh, on right, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I thought that one might have been might have been yours. Um, that's that's really beautiful. I really like that. Um, yes, I should know what lever it is, but I'll be honest, I can't remember. Um, once it's arrived, we'll put a, po- um, a post up on our Instagram feed. Um, but otherwise, I think he's been. Yep, David's just showing it to the screen. David's been. Uh, he's already posted it to his um, his feed. So um, I am looking forward nice. looking forward to that arriving. Um, yeah. And that's about it, really. But yeah, so anyone, if anyone's listening. So it was the, it was the natural leather Agawa Cordovan with uh, yeah. camel tachigi on the yeah. inside. That is yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I'm just looking at it and it's just, awesome. yeah, you're going to really enjoy that wallet, I think, and it's going to age yeah. so nicely over time. We've all jumped on our phones to try and find this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, that's been about about it, really. But that's really exciting anyway, so I'm looking forward to that coming through. Um yeah, I have nothing else that exciting to say. Oh, one thing that did happen, actually, I will add, is I had the pleasure this week of speaking to um, Swiss Gene Freak, which was very exciting. Oh. I've been trying to, oh, okay. trying to get a hold of him and have a chat with him for another project I've been doing for a while, and we keep missing each other because he seems to be a really busy man. Um, but, yeah, finally we managed to coordinate it and chat to him, um, I think, last week. Uh, and it was really good. He's a really nice guy. As you'd expect, really enthusiastic about Dennis. We had a really good, good long chat about jeans. Um, yeah, and hopefully, once all of this craziness is over and we 
can go back traveling my plan is to try and get across to switzerland to actually visit the jeans museum so maybe we should make it a warnard global meetup trip kind of thing next yeah, year I'll, i'll be down i'll be down for it lex yeah cool that could be it then a, a global uh warnard global european denim hang yep Actually, a, a real shame too, because um, I've got a, a client that my company is consulting for right now that's in Zurich. And like, if it wasn't COVID times, we'd be traveling to Zurich to see this client. And I'd have like the perfect excuse to go to the Swiss Jean Freaks oh. um, Museum. But alas, I'm stuck in my living room. <laughs> I don't know if anyone has heard the new Action Bronson album, Only for Dolphins. I've been no, I haven't. Is it, is it good? Is it good, it's Kevin? Good, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm not into hip-hop at all normally, but I love his okay. stuff. Like, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, I, I really like it. It's good. Do, do, you, like, do you like uh, Ghostface? Yeah, so I don't really listen to any other so, hip-hop. So bec uh, the only reason I say that is because a lot of people, especially when, they, when Action Bronson came out, they compared him to Ghostface Killer from mm -hmm. the Wu-Tang Clan. Mm -hmm. um, so I was just wondering whether, you know, that has kind of made you want to nah. listen to him or not, or you're just, uh, you're just an Action Bronson fan? Yeah, not really. Yeah, I, I, um, I came across him through his uh, Munchies, Vice, um, Fuck That's Delicious YouTube show. Mm -hmm. um, don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's basically him traveling the world, eating ridiculously good food, drinking ridiculously good wine and stuff like that. So Yeah, I've seen, um, I've seen a few episodes. It's, it's quite interesting. Um, He's a qualified yeah. chef, isn't he? I think he is, yeah. yeah. yeah he started off as a chef or something. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. He started off as being a chef, I think, before he went to, to hip-hop, yeah. Music, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just an interesting dude. And from there, like they must have like played some of his songs in, in, in some of the episodes and yeah, just like started like listening to it and like, yeah, I quite, I quite like this. So yeah, pretty good album. Speaking of hip hop, um, I, I recently discovered a podcast broken record with Rick Rubin. So Rick Rubin's like one of the most famous producers from like the nineties and stuff. Like he produced a bunch of like, run DMC tracks, like, you know, LL Cool J, like a lot of really famous hip hop throughout time. Yeah. Um, he's got a podcast where he just sits down with bands and talks to them. Um, a lot of his hip hop, like he's did one with the RZA recently, uh, did one with like Andre 3000, um, but also like rock as well. Like he did one with Bon Iver. Um, so pretty interesting music podcast if, if folks want to hear some sort it, of it's stories with, behind some of the- It's with Mal Malcolm Gladwell, isn't it? Uh, Is he on it as well? I, I believe so. I, I thought Broken Record was actually started by Malcolm Gladwell, um, and that he's it could be. he's just invited Rick Rubin because he's he's kind of a friend and he's a musician and everything like that. So he's been the one in, interviewing um, um, a lot of the artists. Ah, right. So I've, I've picked very specific ones that are usually hip hop episodes. Yeah. So it might yeah. be that I just happen to get the Rick Rubin episodes. Yeah. So Mal Malcolm Gladwell is. I think uh, they've kind of uh, co-founded the um that podcast and it's it's something between them there's 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 other uh, people featured on there interviewing other people but um um yeah I, i really i've really enjoyed it um the uh run the jewels episode was really good as well and um yeah um it's always interesting to, to listen to rick because he interviews from a you know a different point of view 
Um, <laughs> and I think like the artists, family. yeah, because the artists already respect him, they kind of open up to him. Um, so, yeah, that makes it quite an interesting listen. Um, yeah, the Andre 3000 one was interesting because uh, he's talking a lot about going through like anxiety disorder and, and a lot of the kind of hardship that's kept him from doing new outcast music yeah. over recent years. And I, I know I'm sure his health struggled with mental health a bit during the pandemic. And so kind of hearing that like really freaking famous and successful musicians also go through some hardships too. Makes oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah I think it's with Andre, you know, because he's had that su such an output great output he's not he feels like he doesn't want to fail anymore uh which is kind of putting a creative block on his uh, on his writing uh which is really sad because you know I'd, I'd want to hear more music from him you know whether you know whether he it works out or it doesn't i think it's worth you know still trying and um you know doing different projects so yeah hope, hopefully he'll come back in and um, start doing something again fine then let's jump up to the news uh, there's a lot happening in the world this year and we might get a bit political from time to time. On that note, uh, if you're in America, please make sure you vote. We're not gonna tell you how you should vote. Might be a bit obvious, but uh, at least get out there and do it. Um, but yeah, hopefully you'll find something interesting in our news today. And I guess to kick things off, let's start with the Global Denim Hang recap. So uh, the Global Denim Hang took place uh, early September online. It was organized by Clover Calm, uh, 23 ounce indigo and a couple of our friends here in the UK It's basically a 24 hour uh, zoom call where each hour does a different denim talk um, and two talks featured members of the sons of selfish podcast. Um, so the first one was a podcast panel where we talked with uh, a couple other podcasts in the denim industry um, about what it's like podcasting, why we got into denim podcasting, Etc. So we, we were talking to folks from a couple podcasts you might want to check out. One is called Veer Vulnerabilis Veer, which is I guess about um, a vulnerable man. I think is the Latin to English translation. It's about sort of dudes dealing with shit and and talking about it and sort of you know uh, kind of opening up and dealing with your emotions and things like that. Um, another one's Grit and Ken, which is a, a chap who is has relocated to washington dc from elsewhere in the states and is trying to kind of do a podcast about uh connecting with local enthusiasts uh also we had denim hunters which is probably one of the biggest names in, in denim news uh garmology which is um a scandinavian podcast of a lot about sort of denim tailoring fabrics menswear so it's sort of pretty cool and of course clover calm uh, he ran a podcast for a long time and was one of the facilitators of, of the session. And then also uh, Tom, who has uh, his own brand, uh, ran a session too. So I don't know if Tom, you want to mention a bit about that? Yeah, so um, we had a kind of little session with me and Chris Hewitt, who is from Hewitt Heritage Fabrics, and they mill the denim that I use in my brand on my ED1 jeans. Um, really, really interesting guy. You know, he's um, worked in the kind of garment industry for a long time now um, and is an avid vintage collector. He has um, a little stall on Portobello Market sometimes, um, selling some really, really nice pieces. Um, and he kind of explained the processes that he went through leading up to Hewitt Heritage Fabrics. So originally he wanted to start a brand um, and that kind of, he done it and then 
done his time doing a brand, um, dropped it. And then it was explaining, you know, how he came about finding these 1950s Northrop plumes, which were like the predecessors, what would have evolved into Cone Mills is famous. Is it the X3 Draper looms? Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's got two of these looms running uh, in north of England, uh, Lancashire somewhere. Um, and, you know, just the, the amount of knowledge that he has is absolutely crazy. Uh, I didn't, don't think I did very much compared to him. <laughs> but, you know, I hope I was as interested as him. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a really good session. Um, and it, it was like super informative. And in fact, the whole global denim hangs event was crazy cool. Um, I'll definitely try and get involved next year in some way. Yeah, I think the good news too is uh, Global Denim Hangs, both a website now and also a YouTube channel. So all of the recordings from the very first Global Denim Hang, I think are already up on the YouTube channel. Yep. And then all of the sessions from this second Global Denim Hang is going to be up there too. Um, we also did another session just kind of on the side where we talked to Clobbercom about this podcast and getting it started. It's like right at the beginning. So hopefully that'll be up there at some point as well. Um, and then lastly, I should mention too that there was a pretty awesome raffle where uh, a lot of names in the industry donated products and uh, Clobbercom and, and 23 Ounce Indigo and the rest of the Global Denim Hangs team managed to raise thousands of pounds for Save the Children, which is pretty awesome. Um, I don't know. Anyone have any other thoughts about the event? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, again, like the previous one that happened um, due to kind of uh, family uh, engagements, I was only able to attend a couple of the uh, bits. I did the Sunday morning sessions where I got to see, I uh, did the TCB uh, jeans finishing cast, the uh, chat with full count, and then also there was one which was uh, women working within the denim industry. Um, predominantly, in the, a lot of it was in the retail. Um, and that was really interesting. That was um, the, uh, I, I, I'll be honest, I've, I've forgotten the names because it was you know, a couple of weeks ago now. Um, but it was the co-owner of um, Second Sunrise in Stockholm was one of the main uh, speakers on it. Uh, also, um, I, I'm sorry, I'm running through my uh, Instagram now trying to find everyone's names. Uh, but there was also, I think her name is Miria, and she was involved. She's a hand uh, weaver and kind of loom, and she, does, uh, she did a collaboration with Indigo Farah. So she has been uh, behind their very first women's range, uh, which was amazing. Uh, it's a really great little range as well. Um, so a really informative talk. Um, we were meant to have um, some other people who attend, but they were unable to join due to um, electronic like, communications issues. But the actual people who attended, super, super interesting. And it was really interesting to hear it from um, a, a woman's viewpoint, because obviously the, the kind of the whole denim scene and the, the heritage wear scene is uh, unfortunately uh, predominantly male dominated. Uh, so it is interesting seeing it from a fresh viewpoint because it can become very quickly very much like an echo chamber because uh, it's pretty much all white dudes. Uh, so it was good. Um, 
Uh, yes, I really enjoyed that. Uh, and obviously, I, I, I did all right with the raffle. So I can't complain. Lucky <laughs> Yeah, sorry. So the name, so the yeah, so the talk I, I watched it was the shop talk with Merka and friends. Uh, so it was uh, uh, Merka who is on Instagram as this little bird decided to fly, uh, and she was the kind of the host. Then we had uh, Mira from Thunder Strange was meant to attend but couldn't due to uh, issues. Uh, Miriam is uh, the woman behind uh, the Indigo Fairy collaboration. Uh, she is Miriam Ethel. On Instagram, uh, really cool. Actually, she's got a really cool page. Uh, it's cool to see kind of all the stuff that she does. It was uh, Kirsten Newmuller from uh, uh, Second Sunrise in Stockholm, and then it was also uh, Harmony Hendrix, who runs a vintage store in um, I think it's in Amsterdam, uh, and you'll you see her quite a lot on um, uh, the Instagram feed. She's got a very distinctive style, uh, kind of runs with a lot of. Uh, a very cool vintage wear with a very kind of Americana vibe going on there. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I won a, I won a pair of jeans, didn't I? <laughs> Lucky <Kidding son>. <laughs> Not going to brag. How many garments have you won this year, Andy? <laughs> Stop it. Um, I have won, I've only won two. I've won, I won the Graph Zeros. The Kakishibu jeans, and then I won these, which were um, the uh, BZN, uh, the first American regular straights. So I was meant originally it was meant to be a uh, slim straight cut by uh, the collaboration with BZN and uh, the Instagrammer in a Cairo. However, uh, chatting with Ben, who's kind of uh, involved with the brand, uh, it became very clear very quickly that. Uh, the cut was not suitable for my uh, meaty gams. So uh, he was able to uh, push me in the right nice. direction. <laughs> <laughs> the brand was very kind, kind enough to uh, adapt the prize and give me something that was a little bit more uh, suitable for my build. Awesome, though. That's yeah, really very much so, yeah. And uh, Ben is very keen for the brand to try and get a little bit more traction outside of... Um, they seem to be the majority doing their business within China and Hong Kong. So he's looking to try and push that into, especially into Europe and uh, the West in general. So he's, he's, mm -hmm. he's kind of keen to see my thoughts um, on, on jeans and, you know, is there anything that can kind of help promote or kind of make them more um, appealing to people in the West, not changing anything, but maybe, you know, how to kind of any kind of comments really on how I find the pair. Mm -hmm. Where, where is it from? Do you know? Well, Bizen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're they're a Chinese brand. So um, it yeah, is a Canadian. Yeah, it's a Canadian Chinese designer, uh, and he moved over from uh, from Canada to China and um, kind of built his brand there. Yeah. So um, um, what I just wanted to to bring up is um, we talked about it a little bit um, in last episode as well. Um, is the Indigo Invitational Fading Competition, um, which has officially started. Uh, what about four or five days ago, 1st of October? Um, I was thinking of entering because um, I was quite keen to start a new project anyway. Um, so I did uh, enter in the end. Um, I have bought myself a new uh, pair of jeans. Um, it's a Momotaro um, green sulfur dyed weft 
with um, a very dark indigo over dye on top of it. Um, so it's a pretty, uh, pretty unique kind of, um, kind of fabric. Um, also the going to battle stripes, um, which are usually white, um, have them painted green as well. Um, so they look, uh, look a little bit different to your, um, like your normal uh, Momotaros. Um, first time I have a higher rise in one of my jeans. So it's a bit of a different fit. It's a high tapered um, fit. It's not like super high rise from um, what the guys at collection the store here in Sydney where I bought it from um, were telling me um, because it is a Japanese brand. They do tend to stay a little bit lower with their rises anyway, but it is definitely a lot higher than I'm used to. Um, which is quite interesting because the pockets are a little bit higher as well. So my hands still have to get used to it. Like I've clipped my fingers a couple of times already. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's actually, I'm actually really enjoying them so far. Um, it's, it's still quite, quite tapered. Um, I still haven't gone really for the, um, for straight jeans. So it's, it's still very tapered, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm loving them. They're 13 and a half pounds. So for the um, 30 plus degree uh, summer that's coming up here in Sydney. It's uh, hopefully not too, <laughs> not too hot. So I can wear them as, uh, as much as possible. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting to uh, start a new project obviously, and um, to be joining a community of, I don't know, over 600 people I think have, um, have entered. Um, really interesting mix of people as well. Um, but, you know, what you just, um, talking about Andy, there's actually quite a lot of um, women involved as well, which is really cool to see. Awesome. Um, yeah, so it, it's a big community. There's a Facebook group um, where people just post updates regularly, and there's a lot of lot of lot of engagement going on. So people responding to each other and and things like that. So there's even like people who are already like seeing fades after three days. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> But, um, <laughs> uh, well, hopefully not. But, uh, They're probably yeah. like the, the Southeast Asian guys who like, They're, you know, the yep. humidity is 100%. So they're pretty much just soaking it all day long. Yeah. And then they just live in them. Yeah. Exactly. I saw a guy Sleep. who went to, yeah. went to the gym in his pants. Oh, so, my God. Oh, come you know, on. That kind of stuff happens. That's no, too far. What, what's going to be? Swiss Gene Freak would do that. Oh, man. Yeah, there's a guy. It... I've seen guys do it. It's grotty. Sorry, that's my yeah, opinion. Um, yeah, I wouldn't do it either. Like, what's what's the plan um, of action, Kevin, for the ultimate fades? Lots of squats. Lots of squats. Lots of uh, crawling on the floor. Yeah. Uh, nah. Rolling <laughs> down know. grassy hills. <laughs> <laughs> beach beach crawls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no nah, i'll i'll take it easy um i don't yeah i'm not a really hardcore fader anyway so i'm not going to do anything super crazy in them but i'll do like hikes in them um we're going on a on a big road trip in a couple of weeks time so i'll bring them there um to some of the most famous sites in australia so i take a can few you steps in front. can you wear them pretty much seven days a week like can you wear them at work yeah yeah i, I mean i'm working from home at the moment so yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely but <laughs> Even in the office, we're uh, casually dressed, so I can wear jeans in the office as well. That's good. That's always helps. Pretty good. Yeah. I wonder if there's going to be this notion of like desk fades after this uh, pandemic's over, where like people have like really faded asses <laughs> in, in like the back of the thighs and like the front of the jeans <laughs> are like brand new. <laughs> the, the working from home fade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> the 2020 working from home thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting though. Uh, but yeah, as you say, there's a lot of like Southeast Asians like who, who are in it. Like if you see some of the like um, entrants from last year and the winners and stuff, it's like absolutely insane fades. Mental, yeah. I, I probably won't reach that point, but fingers crossed, you know. There's some awesome prizes to be won. Which yeah, we, it's, a, it's a good uh, thing to just be a part of and like, you know, kind of be in that community of people reaching exactly. for the hardcore feeds. Yeah. I think the most impressive thing is just the notion of being able to dedicate yourself to wearing one pair of jeans for like an entire year mm-hmm. and like not having a rotation. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. See, I, I mean, like there will be days where I'll, I'll be wearing shorts or whatever if it gets really hot, but I'll try and wear them as, as much as possible wherever I can. You could find a tailor to like cut the legs off and install those little zippers <laughs> yeah. like on hiking pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> make them into shorts and jeans. Get some oh, wow. zip fades. <laughs> That's a terrible oh. idea. Don't ruin them. <laughs> you get Actually, booted you, from the competition. Yeah, probably. You drop them in the post to Lex, you might be able to, to alter them for you. <laughs> Have you ever Crying put zippers in, uh, no. in jeans? <laughs> I've, no, I've, I've never put a zip, pair of zippers uh, in legs of jeans, but I could do it. So if you ever, if anyone ever wants that done, send them my way. Spiking <laughs> jeans. Please, if um, someone can send their jeans to Lex to do that, that'd be amazing. <laughs> we'll get you on the podcast. <laughs> do it. Super quick plug. One thing that drives you completely mad. So obviously jorts are like a thing, right? Either people cut off the legs of their old jeans or companies manufacture short length jeans. Like they basically sew a jean, cut the legs off and then finish them. I don't understand why the hell no one makes Bermuda shorts, which is like chino shorts in denim. Mm-hmm. I've got a pair from Big John that I bought like almost probably six, seven years ago now. And it's like a chino short, but it's made with denim. And it's, it's it drives you completely mad that like that's not a thing. It seems like every raw denim head would love to have a pair of essentially denim chino shorts. Gap you know, in the market. Flat pockets in the front, welt pockets in the back. It's, ah, it's driving me mad. <laughs> I imagine like a chino style it usually looks better in a lighter fabric like you don't usually like sometimes you get dark navy but you want summer colors for it denim is not exactly the summer choice is it <laughs> yeah well, if you've got like a linen cotton blend or yeah. a loose weave um yeah the ones two ounce, probably like two 12. ounce denim <laughs> no, 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 like like see <laughs> the ones i have are probably like 12 13 ounce and i'll wear them you know, in 30 degree weather, it, it's, it's, because it's a little bit of a looser cut, a Bermuda cut, like it doesn't get too hot. Yeah, I oh, well, wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make well, it happen, Tom? someone. <laughs> yeah. So also, uh, <laughs> also, since we're talking fabric, I wanted to mention uh, Taylor Stitch, which is an American-based uh, company. They do everything from jeans to jackets to shirts to boots. It's kind of like a lifestyle brand. So it's a pretty much the whole nine yards. Um, they also have their own kind of their own in-house crowdfunding platform called the Workshop, which is basically a pre-order system. You know, see how many garments they should make for a, a particular particular style. Um, they put up a collection right now, which is using a bunch of cone mills, uh, reserve salvage they had lying around. So you could basically get what's called the Taylor Stitch Long Haul Trucker, which is kind of a mix between a Type 3 uh, and a Lee Rider jacket. 
um, or one of two different gene cuts, like a, a slim fit or more of like a relaxed fit cut. Um, and because their stuff's made in Portugal, the, the pricing's quite solid. Uh, you know, maybe two hundred dollars for the two hundred U.S. dollars for the jacket, maybe like I think one hundred fifty, one hundred seventy-five dollars for the jeans. Um, I'm quite tempted just because I don't actually own anything with Cone Mills denim. Um, but I, I want to ask you guys, what are your thoughts on the appeal of new old stock Cone Mills garments? Like, is it worth getting them? Is it still an exciting thing? Knowing that Vidalia Mills basically bought the looms and is going to kind of take the Cone Mills heritage forward and recreate those same denims, like, it is is a new is a garment in code mills fabric still special i think for some people there's yeah. a provenance to it i mean i think we said this in previous episodes there's the, it's the provenance of code mills it's got that storied history to it you know it's linked to so many kind of iconic items and brands um so it does have an appeal for a lot of people for me it doesn't really bother me it's it's denim um Cone Mills has, you know, has been discussed. It's not the most, uh, to be really honest, it's not the most exciting of denims. It's not, you know, heavily textured. They don't really go in for kind of interesting, you know, kind of coloured wefts, dyed wefts, or, you know, it, it's not slubby or nappy. But it, it's, it's for some people, it's just that kind of history that it will appeal and they'll go for it because it's a name. And knowing that the actual brand itself, Cone Mills, no longer exists does kind of up that even though you know that you you're going to get the same product from Vidalia um it's the it's the heritage of the name and uh yeah like like you I don't think the denim is does much for me um it's yeah, nothing wrong with it but um you know once you kind of explore textured denim and things like that it, that's just a little, little bit more exciting I think um for for me anyway um so um, I think what you'll see is brands do that sort of thing where they will release um, collections with Cone to draw in those uh, those people who are interested in it. And I know there are certain companies who are sitting on stock waiting for, you know, the right time to release that kind of thing because they know it's going to be a money-making thing for them. Um, so, yeah, that's my thoughts. Yeah, I've got um, in my studio. I've got about forty yards of Kona uh, Kona Mills, which I'm. You're one of those people, then. Damn you! <laughs> I'm one of the people. Well, I, I'm partly sitting on it because I don't really know what to do with it. So um, I was like, "There's no harm in keeping it there." Um, Denim okay. Bermuda shorts. <laughs> Denim Bermuda shorts. <laughs> I actually got halfway through making myself this summer, towards the end of summer, a pair of uh, denim. Uh, like chino style shorts um but then annoyingly uh, one of my machines broke and my machine engineer was on his summer holiday and by the time he got back summer was old it was too cold to wear them so that'd be one for that'd be one for to wear them today you get wet legs but let's put some wellies on were those the ones were those the ones you're making for a wedding or so, or like a some kind of event um no i don't know it's wet well, I guess you wouldn't it was actually I was making them with the uh, denim that I won at the last global denim hangs auction. Um, so some Candiani. Uh, it's I'm not entirely sure what it is. I never found out. I think it's um, double indigo and it's been over dyed. It's a really interesting uh, denim. 
But as I said, they're almost completed. And then my Bartak machine um, decided to stop working. And as I said, my machine guy went on his summer holidays, uh, didn't come back until mid-September, uh, by which point, yeah, it's not really shorts weather, but it doesn't matter. I'll get them finished for next summer anyway, so can't complain. I think kind of the one problem with this kind of cone mills dead stock is like the appeal of it before was that you're supporting an American brand. So now that cone mills is shut, then where is that appeal left for dead stock? I mean, there will obviously be people who are like, oh yeah, I need to get it because it's the last of, you know, um, need to put it in the collection. But, you know, when you've got Vidalia opening, it, it, is there still going to be that same appeal of, yes, I'm supporting an, an American brand and a brand, you know, making fabric and then construction in the UK? You know, you look at like Teleson, their whole appeal is, we do Levi's better than Levi's do. Um, and we actually make it in the US. Well, I, assume, I assume they're going to they're gonna switch to Vidalia at some point, although they spent a whole lot of money developing denim in Japan. So I don't know whether that's going to be a, you know, a transition that they're going to do too quickly. Yeah, I mean, they found that they've got a big, big market in Japan. Um, so they're selling a lot over there at the moment. So, you know, maybe they will make this slight, slight transition to, you know, Japanese fabric, American made. Um, well, one thing too, um, this is to kind of plug the global denim hang again, but that talk that uh, David Marks did about the Amatora book, um, he went into how Levi's started using denim woven by uh, Carabo in Japan, I think in like the 70s or something like that for, for their 501s. So like, I guess you could say Levi's woven with Carabo denim specific fabrics is just as much uh, a legit vintage as uh, cone mills denim. So, all right, cool. Uh, so let's jump into our discussion topic. Today, we're going to talk about favorites from our collection and why. So we all have sort of different interests in raw denim and different garments that we've collected over the years. So it's going to be kind of a, a bit of a round table. So we'll probably start uh, with jackets and then we'll go to jeans then we'll go to shirts uh boots and then one item of everyday carry so like something else that you you have on you every day so uh let's kick it off with jackets and with andy hey all right sorry uh just in case anyone starts hearing weird noises on this recording i am currently holding my six-month-old child um who is loving my uh headset and my phone and basically anything that is within hand reach so you might hear him screaming in a minute um Rather. yeah jacket <laughs> um jacket wise uh, for me it's the uh indigo fairy grant type one in gunpowder selvage uh, very first denim jacket I ever bought. In fact, I think it's the only, well, very first salvage denim jacket I ever bought. And I think it's actually the only one I still, ha I actually have in my collection. Um, you know, it's got a nice boxy roomy fit, uh, and the fabric, the gunpowder salvage, which is a, uh, a sulfur dyed, um, black denim ages beautifully and has that fantastic kind of gunpowder smell to it. All right. And, uh, on jackets, I'll go next. Um, for me, I, I was going to say one RGT jacket, Rogue Territory, but I'm actually going to change it on the fly and say a different RGT, uh, a Rogue Territory jacket. And I'm going to go with the supply jacket. Um, it's, it's, it's an iconic style that Carl invented. Um, everything about it is perfect. The cut's perfect. It, the, the, the collar, the chest pockets, the hand pockets, 
and also the makesmanship. It's just it's just a, a perfect jacket. Uh, and my preference is in the the I forgot what he calls it, but basically the black and indigo, uh, black warp indigo. Oops, sorry, black weft indigo warp denim. No, sorry, I thought that was their stealth, but stealth is that their double black? Yeah, yeah. So three six. Yeah, stealth is black, and then the indigo black is deep indigo, dark indigo, which. Get, yeah, it gets a bit mixed up when you think about 316 and their, their naming convention. But uh, anyways, that's my favorite jacket. How about you, Tom? Uh, so my favorite jacket is I managed to find on eBay a beautiful Edwin Overworks Wabash chore jacket. I always saw Mohsin Sajit uh, from Endrime. Sorry if I butchered his name. Um, always saw him like wearing one, um, and it always brought blood to my loins. Um, and then I've, I've always like eBayed uh, Edwin Overworks. This came up and I was just like, yes, instant buy. Need that in my life. Um, it's so like kind of 30 style with the old school buttons and the Wabash is beautiful on it. So that's my pick. All right. And Ilya, what do you think? Uh, so my favorite jacket, um, it was a bit of a hard choice because I'm a bit of a jacket nerd um, and do collect and wear quite a, quite a few of them. But um, overall, I have to say my one is the Mr. Freedom Ranch Blouse, uh, which gets the most wear from me. Um, I love it because it, the design point of view is just uh, fantastic. So um, Christopher, um, you know, who's uh, the head of Mr. Freedom, kind of made this pattern uh, himself, much, much like uh, Carl has done with the supply jacket. Um, the, the ranch blast is his kind of um, own personal style, which he's uh, put together uh, using various patterns from uh, the 1930s, 40s. Um, um, it features an A1 style collar, which I really like. Um, it has a vintage kind of boxy silhouette, um, perfect with wearing like with high-waisted jeans because it's cut quite high up. Um, got a nice cinch back. Uh, design um, and it just just wears really nicely um, I think with a lot of garments um, it's faded really nicely for me and um, yeah I just uh, keep going back to it and if if I had to get rid of all my jackets that would be the one that I would definitely keep. Okay I'd have to say my favorite is my pure blue Japan um, 6079 um, type 2 den jacket it's uh, really quite heavy. I think it's about an 18 ounce denim, uh, really slubby, really nice fit, good construction. Um, and it's fading really nicely. I've had it for uh, probably about a year and a year and a half now. And it's just kind of wearing slowly, but it's starting to look really nice. So um, just a really nice, interesting jacket. So yeah, that'd be mine. Awesome. Kevin, how about you? Pure Blue Japan, it's great. Um, so for me, um, it's my one and only jacket that I have, or selfish denim jacket, which is the 316 branch jacket um, in the indigo nep denim. Um, yeah, I just absolutely love the, the fit. Um, it's absolutely perfect for me. Um, I like that it's a little bit of a different design to um, your regular like type one, two, three kind of kind of jackets as well. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's my choice. Awesome. Any final thoughts from folks on jackets? 
collect them I, all. <laughs> my my second choice, like very closely, is my William Gibson uh, Buzz Rickson collab jacket with a Mouton collar. Uh, I think it's the B twenty nine or something like that. In the winter, it keeps me so warm. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I won't go into it necessarily, but I, my second choice was basically a jacket. So it's like a shirt jacket, like super lightweight. I was just thinking about it. It's like, man, you know, I love a good like 14 ounce heavy denim jacket, but those kind of lightweight garments, you get a lot more days out of the year where you can oh. wear them. So something really to be said about kind of an overshirt jacket, shirt jacket, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that's kind of why chore jackets work so well because they're so light. It's like an all year round kind of layer piece. That's why I love them. All right. Well, let's talk jeans. So Andy, what are your favorite jeans? Sorry, muted again. Little gobby child. Um, yeah, so my uh, jeans of choice are the Uwas 400T uh, regular taper. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Uwas is a small Japanese brand. Uh, the name comes from uh, uh, the translation of the word waste. Um, and it's a really, really um, comfortably made um relaxed taper in their proprietary 400 fabric which is really nice kind of 14.85 ounce i think it is so just shy of 15 uh it's got a nice bit of slub to it it um it's so it's nice and textured but it, it softens up beautifully with repeated wear uh and you know they're just it's a pair of jeans that you can just wear all the time whenever you know they, they're perfect for all every weather uh they're made beautifully um you know it, it's um and for people who are uh, maybe a bit more athletic in build, it's a, you know, it's, it's a perfect fit. Uh, and, you know, Rivet and Hyde say it's one of their, if not their top selling um, or gene because of that cut that it has. And it's just a brand that people miss out on. Yeah. And just in case anyone's trying to find it, it's spelled U-E-S. Um I'd always thought it was an acronym, but I guess it's not. <laughs> no, no, I thought so. Actually, it was Ilya who um, who told me that it was it was a, a, a it's it's actually a, a translated. It's a single word. Um, I think it's just the way it's shown. Everyone immediately thinks that it's some kind of acronym. Yeah. So hmm. that, that's something I found out through uh, Danny when I interviewed him actually for the um, for the Clubacom uh, blog post that he was doing at the time. Um, yeah, and as Andy said, it's about waste and reusing. Um, materials and fabrics and what, what could be whatever so that's kind of the um, uh, where the name comes from that makes more sense because I've got a type 3 from them and like the backing of the pockets is a different denim than the actual jacket itself like some of the internal pieces and I, I never understood why so now, now I know <laughs> there you go um, cool so jumping on to my favorite jeans um, I'd say it's the 316 plus uh, 21 BSP so 316 plus is uh, the 316 and uh, Kia from Self Edge collaborations they, they've done over the years. And the 21 BSP is, uh, I'd call it somewhere between a slim tapered and a relaxed tapered. Uh, I've owned a pair a couple years ago. I bought it Rivet and Hyde and I got a new pair to replace those because I outgrew the sizing on them when I was at uh, 316 sample sale around Christmas last year. And just a really great cut, a little bit relaxed not too tapered, um, super, super nep, uh, sorry, not neppy, uh, super, super slubby denim. And it's a natural indigo dye and, um, 
every pair of jeans I've ever bought since. Just then, none of them have ever quite had that exact cut. So that's my favorite jean. Uh, so obviously, I won't plug my own brand. Uh, but my next favorite pair of jeans are um, I've got a pair of Samurai S710 Double X 24 ounce, um, the heaviest jeans I've ever owned. Um, they were unsamurized, so when they're washed, they go up to about 27 ounce. So real, real hardcore stuff. Um, Samurai are just like the amount of details they put in just blows you away. Um, I always loved the 100% cotton thread as well because that starts to like kind of break away and start to make them look really vintage as you use them. Um, and the fading was sick on them. Um, unfortunately, I've put on a pound or two during lockdown so I can't fit into them. <laughs> but I still occasionally just get them out of the cupboard and I'm like, ah, look at them. They're so beautiful. <laughs> Much as Andy's doing with his baby right now. <laughs> can't with can't it. help it, mate. Um, yeah. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't sell them. Hang on to them because you might go to wear them again. Yeah, I'm well, hoping my son. to. <laughs> <laughs> Get a new one. 30-day <laughs> exchange policy. Lay on that one, mate. No, I, I agree with you on the Samurais, mate. Uh, I've got the same cut in the 19-ounce and Samurais than it's so fantastic pair of jeans uh, and thanks to you on the sizing so i didn't go too skinny yeah. and they actually fit me more like a, a, a slightly slimmed down regular straight um, but yeah the fabric and the construction is second to none yeah yeah and that's why i kind of always champion on sam fries you know because it's better to size up and play around with it with a bit of washing and stuff and you can kind of customize it a bit more to your shape so beautiful stuff I said those Uwas are also were also unsamurized. Um, I was just luckily Riven Hyde uh, did a one wash version just because they know that people prefer them. Sometimes it's just good to go, and for yeah, me definitely. that was the only pair they had left. So I guess right. I'll I'll go next. Um, so my favorite pair of jeans um, is my current one, which is the Warehouse Seven Hundred C, which is the uh, collaboration that they did with uh, Clutch Cafe. Um, I, um, I stumbled upon them whilst going into the store and um, I saw a faded pair um, next to the new pair and I knew that was going to be my next pair of jeans um, as they had faded beautifully. They um, had a really kind of vintage um, faded hue, uh, which I really liked. Um, there was only 50 pairs made worldwide as well, um, so that made it quite interesting. Um, and um, I actually did a blog post on um, on on this pair, um, which you can find at my uh, on my site. Um, but the reason I reason I like them is they're quite a regular straight fit. Um, they're made from a Memphis cotton, uh, which is quite um, rough to start with, uh, as opposed to the Zimbabwe, which I'd previously worn. Um, and um, yeah, the, the denim's has plenty of uh, character. It's got a little bit of slub, a little bit of nep, and it just washes really nicely, as do most uh, warehouse um, the denim. Um, so yeah, it's 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 based on the 1937 Levi's cut, 501 cut, um, and um, yeah, so it's got it's got a cinch back as well. And um, yeah, it's, it's just a really nice pair. They've uh, faded really nicely. 
and they're just really comfortable to wear now uh, on a on a daily basis. Um, I've been washing them about um, once every thirty days of wear. Um, so yeah, going for a really vintage um, kind of um, fade. Um, yeah, so really, really like them. I've got a couple of months left on them before I totally switch over to the uh, TCBs. Um, at the moment, I'm wearing both um, on separate days. So yeah, that's my that's my favorite pair right now. How long have you had them for? So I had them since uh, I started wearing them last August. Um, and I've clocked in uh, over nine months on them. So I've been wearing them five days a week, and then just wearing other things on you know on the weekends and things like that, just to keep it interesting for myself. Um, so there's probably the longest pair of jeans that I've worn on a continuous basis. And uh, yeah, my goal was to get to 12 months, um, right. and and uh, you know make make have a 12 12 washes on them. Um, they recently had a pair, a repair from Lex, um, who did a great job as, uh, as always. Um, yeah, that was, uh, very nice of him. So yeah, they can. I think I've got a go. picture of your bum in them on my gram. So you do. Anyone you needs do. to oh, check nice. them out. Yeah. His <laughs> <laughs> bum. Yeah. Oh, in the jeans, in the jeans. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh. Yeah. Um, all right. I'll jump in. Uh, so yeah, like Tom, I normally wear my own jeans, so I won't plug them, but I would say the one other pair of jeans that are my kind of go-to jeans are, I'm going to go vintage, um, and I've got a pair of 1970s Redline Vintage 501s, bashed and battered to hell, covered in patches now where they've just worn out, um, like full of shishiko darning, but they're probably the comfiest jeans I own. Um, I mean, they're older than I am. I'm pretty old so um, yeah they're my go-to jeans um, and the problem is when they do eventually die because they are getting towards that level can't obviously replace them because it's vintage so I'm keeping an eye out on eBay for another pair but um, yeah I'd always recommend uh, going vintage with that sort of thing. I mean you, surely you've got that Conwell's denim lying around and you're a professional pattern maker so in theory you could pattern them and just recreate a pair right? Uh, yeah, I've actually, like, I, um, the jeans I wear are loosely based on that cut. Um, so uh, so the cut's not the issue. It's just the 30 odd years of wear to get them to that <laughs> level of kind of like, you know, it's a really, really kind of light denim. Uh, but you are right. Um, I probably should just remake myself a pair when they die. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Lex, yeah. can I just say you're only as old as the jeans you wear? God, that makes me angry. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. sorry. Is, it, is, it, is that as old as they are? As old as the cut? Because Ailey was saying he's wearing a 1930s cut. So. I'm, I'm only six months old. <laughs> awesome. All right, I'll, uh, I'll go last then. Uh, for me, the, my favorite pair of jeans is my Pure Blue Japan, um, I think it's KS013WID. Um, which is basically um, a slim tapered fit. The 013 fit is a, is a slim tapered fit. Um, and it is a really, really interesting fabric because it's an, they call it irregular double indigo. Um, so um, they had an irregular indigo before, uh, but this version 
um, is um, double uh, indigo. So uh, both, um, so the, the, the weft is basically also um, dyed in indigo. Um, so they're very dark. Um, yeah, even the cuff is, uh, it is dark uh, on the inside. So um, very special and they faded like pretty hardcore, I would say, um, and, and really interesting, um, which is something I think pure Blue Japan has a lot more often in, uh, uh, in their fabrics, um, is what they call kind of like a raindrop fade or rainfall uh, fall fade. So it looks like, um, it's like almost like vertical lines going down um, the jeans, which is, uh, which is pretty cool and, and pretty different to anything else that, uh, that I own. So um, it was one of those pairs where I walked into the store and I saw them and I immediately knew if these fit me and the, 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 the style and the fit um, works, then I'm just going to get them. I don't want to look at anything else anymore. Um, it was one of those times because normally I do quite a bit of research beforehand um, where I kind of like know a brand that I want or know the exact gene that I want. Uh, but this time I just, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to walk into that store and then make my decision there and try on quite a few different ones. Uh, which I did end up doing, but yeah, as I said, when I saw them, because um, the, the fabric is so unique, I knew straight away I wanna I wanted to have those. So that's my choice. So I guess a bit of, bit of a final thoughts on jeans. It sounds like for everybody, the right jeans are the ones that you want the most and that you like the most. And doesn't matter what cut they are, who makes them. It's just whatever speaks to you and, and to and to buy you know that jean that you love and screw what anyone else says about whether it's the best one or not. Um, <laughs> and also to, to, to size up a little bit on the looser side, because either you, you put on weight during lockdown or you get a shrink to fit gene and it shrinks too much. So I think um, it's funny because if you see people when they go and buy shirts, people are like, oh man, I can see a little bit of extra bagginess in my shirt. I better size down so like I can't move my arms when I first get my shirt. And so it'll stretch <laughs> out later and eventually I'll be able to move my arms. But like, I think as raw denim heads, we have a problem of like sometimes being a bit too aggressive on how we size our jeans and uh, maybe yeah. to like not, not stress too much about it. Give yourself a little extra broom. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I always I always try to uh, size myself to have a little bit of um, room. Um, although I'm buying on Sanfro's denim, I'm always kind of looking at the chart, see how much it's gonna shrink. Um, I just prefer to have a jean that's gonna fit me well straight off the bat it means they're not going to stretch out anyway beyond my waist size um i'm going to wear a belt with them and i usually tuck my shirts in so it just gives me a little bit of room for that um and yeah there's no it's kind of easy from the get-go um mm. that's that's been my policy for the last uh you know couple of years and there's always so much stuff that you have to store in your pockets. Like, you know, you need to take into consideration your phone, your keys, your, you know, whatever. So that's always important. Yeah. Yeah. I used to get like proper anxiety from like, oh man, did I, did I buy the right size? Should I go one more, one more smaller? Is this the right one? Should I have gone one more bigger? And it's like, you know, if I just buy stuff, so it's got a little bit of extra room and throw a belt on all that anxiety goes away. <laughs> yeah. uh, makes exactly. life a lot easier. Yeah. Definitely. All right. There. So let's talk shirts now. Uh, Andy, what's your favorite shirt? Okay. Um, so you would definitely hear my child now because he's going to sleep. Uh, yeah, my shirt is the uh, Buzz Rickson uh, 
blue chambray, the civilian chambray shirt. So uh, had it for donkey's years. It's an absolute workhorse, per, you know, fantastically made, uh, ages really well. You know, the fabric's you know, stunning. Um, and it's just something you can slap on any day. You can dress it up, you can dress it down. It, it's just kind of a great all-rounder. All right. It's my favorite shirt. I, I guess I'll g- generically say any black Western shirt, any black Western. It doesn't matter what it is. As long as it's black and it's a Western shirt, I'm down. Um, I Texas love that Johnny Vegas. Cash look. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I love that Johnny Cash look. Although if I had to pick just one, um, I think if you're a bigger dude, Indigo Farah's, uh Dolard shirt is a fantastic black Western a um, little bit loose of me, but still a great shirt. But I think my favorite is probably the RGT Black Western. Just the, the cut for like a, a skinny tall dude is, is bang on. Uh, and I like the kind of modern details that RGT uh, puts into their Western. Um, that being said, at my, at my folks' house back in Texas, I've got a neon yellow uh, Western shirt waiting me for me on my next trip home from uh, Gitman Vintage. So who knows? Maybe the neon yellow Western will eventually replace the Black Western. Wow. That's something special. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So, um, do you know, I've got a couple of shirts, actually. The the one that I originally thought of um, is my Monsivais. I know I butchered that, and I'm so sorry to him. Um, I got this, like, awesome work shirt from him, which he found a 20s dead dead stock fabric. Um, which is absolutely beautiful. It's almost like very canvassy, but it's like a kind of indigo Czech style, um, half plackets, you know, buttons only halfway down um, with the chin strap as well. So super, super workwear looking. Um, but yeah, I've got a couple. There's, I've got a really nice Workers Co. Um, from a British military style shirt. Um, so it's got kind of the extended placket at the bottom, um, and kind of the British military style pocket. Um, and that's faded absolutely beautifully. Like it's really, really kind of starting to wear around the collar. Um, amazing shirt. And I've got a workers co Wabash shirt as well. Anything Wabash and I'm just like, you know, frothing at the brim. So, um, yeah, that's, that'll be my, my picks. Wabash gets me all excited to go make, uh, put down railroad tracks. It does. Yeah. (laughs) Talking about railway, um, my favourite shirt would be the um, US Railway Chambray shirt, um, which I've had for a number of years now, and it's faded down beautifully. Uh, it's like a light blue now, kind of what you find in, sometimes in vintage shops. Um, and yeah, I've just worn it a ton load and uh, just absolutely love it. I think for me, chambray shirts are the kind of the ultimate shirt because you can just style it with anything. Uh, it goes with everything. And um, like Andy said, you can dress it up if you need to dress it down. Um, and this particular one has it has a nice uh, pocket watch pocket um, uh, on one side and then just a regular pocket on the other side of the chest. Um, it's a uh, linen cotton mix so it's quite nice for the summertime as well um it has stained stitching construction um so it's kind of it's 
durable and it's going to um, stand the test of time um, as you wear it. Um, so yeah, it's just a, a lovely shirt. Yeah, I think US has some of the best fitting shirts in the market. They're just such a great cut, all their shirts. Yep, yeah, I think, especially I think for the Western build, I think it works really well. Um, I know a couple of us have um, their, um, their shirts and uh, I think we're all quite big fans. Yeah, I've got a few uh, US uh, flannel shirts. I've got a, a soft spot for a plaid shirt and they fit beautifully. But I would have to say my favourite um, over the US ones, I've got a flathead um, checked flannel shirt, um, work shirt, and it just fits beautifully, good quality fabric. Um, yeah, not much to say about it other than that. Red, red and black, uh, check. But uh, as I said, a shout out to US because they'd probably be up there with my second favourites. Yeah, I think f f um, flannel wise, I think, you know, flathead makes some of the, the best kind of shirts as well. So, um... Yeah, hopefully, hopefully they'll be making more things in the future. I hear that they're reopening the store in um, in Tokyo, uh, which is a good sign um, that business is you know up and uh, up and running again, and that they're selling stuff. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to to see more interesting designs from from them. For me, um, my favorite. I haven't actually gone for a shirt, but for a t-shirt. Um, since we're uh, here in Australia, um, it's quite warm. Um, but yeah, my favorite um, top garment um, is my Studio D'Artisan white selfish denim pocket tee. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a, a great t-shirt. Um, it's quite heavy. Um, I don't exactly know how heavy it is, but it's definitely a lot heavier than many of the other um, t-shirts and shirts that, are, that I own. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just very simple, but, but very cool. It has a quite a big, um, denim, uh, pocket, um, selfish denim pocket, um, on the left side of the chest, I think, I believe right side, left side. I can't remember one of the two sides. Um, stage left, sorry, stage left, stage left. <laughs> yes, that's it. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I said a big oh moment. So I was like, man, they made a t-shirt that's entirely denim. That's insane. But now I realize it's just the pocket. That's it's the denim. pocket, yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, that's dedication. Wow. A <laughs> denim t-shirt. That would fade out so quick. <laughs> the, the chafing. The chafing. <laughs> hey, if our, if, our, uh, if our man bits and lady bits can handle it, anything else can. And yeah, David goes commando. And, and like your <laughs> arms would just like be blue around the shoulders. And yeah. blah, blah, blah. I will say for any good t-shirt, I always wear like a little $5 like Uniqlo or Muji, whatever undershirt. Cause like, I don't want to get pit stains on my nice shirts. So like I've always got something under, even, even under a t-shirt just to protect my nice, my nice shirt. Yeah. I'm, I'm also a proponent. I usually go for a Henley. Um, um, or or a YT underneath. Um, I think it's just quite nice and um, yeah. Hmm. I'd say those studio artisan are very underrated for t-shirts. Um, I've got one of their baseball shirts. Um, it's super super nice fabric, like amazing quality. It's just don't the they, sizing. Don't they use Suvin gold cotton for um, most of their kind of um, t-shirts? Yeah, some of their newer ones that have come yeah. out and. 
is it Fox Cotton they've just started like doing some t-shirts with, which is like... Oh, really? Like, I haven't... Yeah. I, seen, I saw that they were yeah. doing the denim with that, obviously, but not. Uh, yeah, yeah, they've yeah, done they've, a range of t-shirts. They've released t-shirts and uh, sweatshirts in fox fiber in two different colorways in coyote, and then there's also a roadrunner colorway which has got a bit of a green tinge to it. Oh, cool! Yeah, that's nice. What is fox fiber? It's a kind of cotton. So, um, it's a really old strain of cotton that kind of got rediscovered by uh, this scientist, and she uh, started cultivating it again. I think back in the 80s or the kind of early 90s. Um, and uh, Studio Design decided to pick it up. Uh, and they started off with a pair of jeans and then they did a jacket. And then they've kind of slowly expanded their range. Um, and some stuff they've done, I think they've done a denim jacket that is natural uh, in the fibers. So it has that kind of natural, uh, kind of very light tan to it instead of being dyed indigo first. Yeah, it's kind of cultivated in the US, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Because I had an eye on a pair of the Fox Fiber jeans uh, Mm. for a while, but uh, I I don't need to worry about that anymore because I've now got their uh, charcoal wefts. Damn you. (laughs) Sick. All right, so let's now uh, talk footwear. I'm guessing for a lot of that, that's going to be boots, but it isn't exclusively limited to boots. Um, so for me, I will say my favorite boots are the Viberg uh, collaboration they did with Club Monaco. It's um, back when Viberg was still doing Goodyear welted before they went all wholly back to stitch down construction. But it's, a, uh, it's the service boot that everyone knows and loves. It's the 2030 last, which is the, the last that everybody uh, really likes, that kind of almond shaped last. But it's uh, pure black, so black sole, black. Uh, Chromexo leather, black hardware. So like it's like, like I should say, a murdered out boot from from Viberg. Uh, and to me, that's like the holy grail of boot. I, I, I know they, they've done a few like Viberg kind of made to order events. And with the exception of having that exact same shoe and shell cord event, I can't think of anything better. Um, but yeah, Andy, now that you're back from baby duty, uh, if you want to jump in next. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, thank you. Mine is the uh, Wesco uh, Standard and Strange collaboration, the Knuckle Dragger. So it's uh, an engineer boot that is done on their uh, MP last, which is their narrow last. And the kind of the big selling point on it is the leather is an olive waxed flesh. So as you wear it and you kind of uh, beat it up, it starts off almost black. And then the more you wear it, it starts to develop this kind of really gorgeous, uh, almost like avocado green hue to it on the areas of wear. Um, I think the the best example of that is um, the pair that John, uh, vintage engineer boots has, because he goes and does his yard work in them and stuff. And they, they, they've aged beautifully. Uh, I got them on the last run they did because they only do kind of runs uh, I think kind of once or, once or twice a year um, and um, yeah they're, they're a fantastic pair they, they fit me like a glove um, I can wear them pretty much anywhere um, most of the time and um, yeah fantastic really rugged hard wearing piece of kit that will kind of last me for a long time my turn um, I've, I've yet to kind of get into the realm of like the super expensive work boots Um so my kind of top ones at the moment are the Thoroughgood Roofer Boots, uh, the kind of laced toe. It's part of their 1892 range, I believe, which they've stopped doing for a while. 
Um, and they said they're going to go back into production in 2021, 2022. So they're a bit hard to find at the moment, um, but so worth it. The It's got its really nice inner soul in it with kind of a nice bit of arch support. And it is, I think, hands down the comfiest inner soul I have like ever tried on in a pair of boots. Like th- th- nothing else. And, you know, I, I, while I was at um, Son of a Stag, you know, I tried many different pairs of boots, you know, ranging from, you know, top end, bottom end. But I, I honestly think like these thoroughbred boots are like just hands down in terms of like out the box comfort, the best I've ever had. Um, and then it's Hallwing Chromic Cell leather, um, Stormwell all the way around, but really, really nice detail, man. Um, very underrated for a boot brand, I think. Um, especially because their kind of standard range of boots are not as good quality as Red Wing, but similar price points. So I think, you know, some people kind of write them off as a brand, but the, if you can get the 1892 stuff, it's like top notch. Um, it's interesting. You mentioned, Tom, about the insole and then being what makes them so great. I think we kind of do ourselves a disjustice with work boots and that we we wear them without any insoles and, and we like size down half a size or a full size to make them fit our feet. But like all these heritage brands that are still using their vintage lasts, it was expected that you would buy like your normal shoe size and throw like big old fat insoles in them to actually wear yeah, them. And, and like so wear, like, you know, thick wool socks, <laughs> you know, not like, you know, really thin socks because, you know, they wouldn't necessarily wear them all year round. Yeah, I, I think because the thoroughgood they will last the boot with the insole inside you know like the sizing is pretty similar to what i have with red wings and stuff um and i think that helps a lot with the comfort if you put an inner sole in and it's not been lasted for it then the sizing starts to get a little bit weird and your toes are a little bit too close to the top um i used to work at rm williams which is an australian brand and they'd done leather inner sole a kind of thin cushion inner sole and a thick inner sole with like lots of arch support but they were all lasted with those particular inners in so your sizing's pretty much the same across the board no matter what insole it has so um yeah that's just something to look out for if you're looking into inner soles like think about how your foot's going to be in it all right i'll uh i'll jump in then uh, so my favorite boots are my uh I would go English um, and my made in England uh, Doc Martin monkey boots. Um, like they're nothing too fancy, but they're just really comfy. They've lasted long. And I've read a lot of stuff recently about how DM's quality has been dropping. You know, uh, lots of articles about people buying, D- buying DM's a standard range and then lasting six months and falling to bits. But the made in England range, from my experience, seemed to last really well. Um, and I have a habit of dragging my heels. So like any other boots, like Red Wings, I'll get for a sole of a Red Wing in less than a year. But these DMs, like they're rock solid. Like not even, not even my uh, poor walking skills can wear through them. So uh, yeah, that's what I'd recommend if anyone uh, is looking for something that's going to last. Your cobbler must love you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I... Um, I actually the last time I went to the Vibram Soul Academy in London and they did a really good job and they've lasted a couple of years. But previously I've just been to either the Red Wing store or a High Street, um, High Street Cobbler and they did not last at all. So, but these Vibram ones, are, I've, managed, I've managed to get two years out of them, but they've almost gone. And you know, on Red Wings, when the bottom gets really smooth and like 
some of the pavements where I live in Bethnal Green are really slippy. Um, so I'm constantly falling over or almost falling over in them now. So I think it's probably time to get them done again before I uh, injure myself and make a fool out of myself in public. Yeah, I'd say the one thing with like DMs is, you know, go for the made in England. Um, but if you want like the top quality, go for Solovair, which is literally a factory across the road from the DM um, factory in England, like literally just like across and it used to be owned by Doc Martens or make Doc Martens and they do exactly the same style. Um, so that's always a good shout. Yeah, my girlfriend uh, bought a pair of them last year, uh, but nice. they're still they're still quite new. So it's kind of it's it's not long enough to tell how they'll la- how well they'll last. But I mean, they look identical to DMs, just with slightly different branding. So yeah, yeah, exactly. They just don't have the yellow stitching, which yeah. most of the time I don't like anyway. So um, who's next? Kevin, go next. Yeah, I can go next, of course. Um, So my favourite pair is um, my um, Red Wing um, 8119 Iron Rangers um, in Oxblood Red. Um, Yeah, just like love the colour of them. Like it's it's so special. Um, Yeah, really cool. I've had them for like, I don't know, probably like five or six years now. Um, I don't wear them very often here in Australia. Um, they kind of like have become my like hiking boots. Um, sometimes in winter I would wear them to the office maybe, um, but not very often. Um, so yeah, they're very well kept. Um, I like try and polish them um, about two, three times a year. Um, yeah, I absolutely love them. It was like really hard to walk them in in the, in the beginning. Like I bought them and I was literally like, what the fuck have I bought? <laughs> this hurts. Uh, but then as soon as you get through that, they're just, yeah, they're just the best. I love them. But also I have not much to compare it with. I don't, I don't own a lot of shoes. And um, the other like pair of boots that I own is, is R Williams, um, which is, that just fits like yeah, a glove boy. kind of stuff. So, um, which I also very much love, but it's a very different style. It's a Chelsea, Chelsea boot. So, um, yeah, it's it's much more formal and a bit dressier than classic work boots. But you still get that quality level from a work boot, which is great. Hundred percent. Yeah, so it's it's quite funny, like seeing seeing people around uh, walking around in R. Williams, like ten years old, like completely um, worn out. Um, but the, it looks great. It just it works. Yeah, I I used to, in our shop, get people who had boots that were about 30 years old and they'd been resold like four times. They're coming in for their fifth resole and like, you know, all the stitching's still good, the elastic's still good, uh, you know, the tugs at the back. And like the interesting thing is like everything can be replaced on the boot. So if the elastics do, you know, relax out and become a bit slack, like they can just put new ones in or if the tug rips out new ones in it can pretty much be completely rebuilt just with the leather uppers staying the same so as long as you keep the uppers in good condition and that's the part that essentially wraps around your foot and creates your shape then everything can be replaced it's nuts yeah great boot definitely if you're looking for something more formal have a look at rm williams definitely what about you Ilya? Um, so my pick would be um, my John Lofgren uh, donkey punches. 
Um, and I got these through Standard and Strange. Um, so it was an MTO order. And I went for a two-tone um, black chromexal and olive chromexal um, leathers. Um, I really, really like them. Um, and the reason because the comfort level is just straight out of the box. You just walking, um, you know, on on clouds, and um, they're really supportive. Um, they are uh, hard wearing. Of you know, the, the soles haven't worn in that much, even though I've, I've walked a lot in them. I've used them as you know, on my motorcycle, hiking, um, anything you can think of. I've, I've kind of done with them. Um, so they're are six six inch laser toe boot style. So it's kind of like a monkey boot, but um, they've got a logger heel, so they have slightly a different look um, to them. Um, they've got Japanese horsehide lining inside, so a little bit you know extra comfort with with that. And you know I think one thing with John Lofgren boots um, that he does is he does a lot of research and redesigns um, the boot until he's really happy with how they fit and um, how you know how they look and everything I, th I think with the engineer boots for example he did um, so many different versions of them until he was happy to put them in the in the market and I think that's what kind of separates uh, what he does with with some of the other brands um, yeah um, big big fan of those Andy, you've got a pair as well, haven't you? Yeah, I've got the um, I've just I've got a stock black pair. I think I got mine um, around the same time as Ilya. Actually, uh, it was just pure uh, coincidence. We'd both tried them on at the uh, Eastman Leather Goods uh, pop up in um, uh, over near uh, Son of a Stag a couple of years ago, and both had really fallen in love with them. I originally was going to go for the uh, burgundy pair. Um, but then realise ultimately black is a lot more uh, versatile. And yeah, and I agree everything that uh, Ilya says. They're an amazing pair of boots. You can just crack on straight out of the box and just wear them all day long. Uh, and very close. To, I nearly chose them instead of the knuckle draggers. Yeah, like I think that's probably like the reds are next on my list for like a boot I want. Definitely. Cool. All right. So everyday carry, this is just a, a kind of a bonus category. This is just one thing you like to, to have on you. It could be a wallet, it could be a belt, it could be a bag, just something that, that you would use every day that's uh, part of your, your favorites. Cool, yeah. Uh, so for me, it is actually quite a new addition to uh, my uh, everyday carry, and that's the Chris Ward C65 uh, Trident Super Compressor Watch. So um, Chris Wood's a small British firm, been going around 15 years. Uh, everything they do is automatic. It's uh, designed in the UK, made in Switzerland, uh, and they're known for having a, a Trident logo on their, uh, the counterweight on their uh, second hand. Um, I've had a, a watch by them for a while now. I've got the C60. Uh, I got that when I was um, still in the army and it was a kind of a regimental special. Uh, and then uh, this one came up literally a, a couple of months ago. It's only just been released, um, but I'm in love with it. And it's based on a very old, well, I say very old, it's based on a, design, a diving watch design that's not really used anymore called the super compressor. So everything's internal. And the more, the deeper you go effectively, the uh, 
tighter it becomes as it reacts to the pressure around it. So the bezel's internal, um, and it's got a really nice um, clear back, so you can see all the workings. Um, and yeah, I love it. Uh, it's got a beautiful blue. Uh, if I will show it to those who are on the on it now, um, and you can see it's got a lovely blue uh, face on it, and then the um, the kind of the bezel itself has got a nice uh, kind of chunky, almost like a muscle car um, font used for the numbers. Um, I only really wear it at weekends. Um, it's not an everyday watch, but it's it's just a really nice casual watch. And for the you know for the kind of the quality, the pricing from the brand is really good because they only sell internally. You can't um, get them through third party sellers. You have to go directly to the website, um, which helps cut down on the costs. And yeah, I, you know, I love it. It has a really nice vintage vibe to it. Mm. Um, I really liked it. I, I met Andy yesterday and uh, I saw it in person. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a beautiful watch. Um, similarly, my my pick for the EDC would be my uh, Rolex Explorer. Um, I stumbled upon it whilst uh, researching actually for a friend. Um, and uh, whilst I was doing the research, I, I fell in love with the the whole story of um, um, of the watch and the. Um, just the designs it's quite it's quite a subtle design it, it, it doesn't jump out at you uh, most people don't even uh, realize it's a rolex which i, I, I quite I quite like um, um so yeah the history goes back to 1950s when edmund hillary climbed mount everest and although the watch itself is is, is based on it it's a different design um, um it's, it's got a simple um typeface on it um it's a 2014 model, which is the uh, the year my son was born. So um, it's it's going to be like a fa family heirloom that I can pass on to him. Um, and um, yeah, it just just wears really nicely. It's quite slim, so I can wear it under um, all my shirts and everything like that. So um, yeah, awesome. Uh, for myself, I, I would say uh, it's probably my pocket knife from the James brand. So the James brand is a bunch of product designers in Portland who are really geeky on design, but also into real serious everyday carry goods. So they they started with knives. They've also gotten into like carabiners and pens and other stuff that you might carry on a daily basis. Um, I love their Elko pocket knife, which is basically, it's, it's sort of like, the same size as like a small Victorinox uh, pocket knife. Um, it's small enough to fit into my my coin pocket, and I've done up like a, a paracord uh, lanyard on it to make it easier to hold. It's all black, as as is most things I like to buy, um, and it's just super well designed, super super tough. And I've also recently kind of extended my carry with um, to make an ink pen. It's like a ballpoint pen called the Benton. Uh, I've got one of their carabiners as well. So sort of. Just generally speaking, I, I really love their products. They're, they're, they're tough as nails and they, they look beautiful as well uh, and are, are great to carry. And also for those in the UK, the Elko is uh, pocket carry legal. There's there's laws around what you can and cannot carry in the UK in your pocket uh, knife-wise, and it is legal. So Americans will laugh at the size of it, but that's okay. Are all the designers called James? <laughs> no, I think that's just like, uh, <laughs> that's just like their intern for the... That, uh, isn't it? 
Oh, never mind. I'm edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> I lost the I lost the, the the theme on that one. And do you actually carry a knife with you when you're like out and about in London? Yes, every day. Okay. Uh, yeah, the number of times I've needed it, but I mean, it, the blade's literally like smaller than my thumb. It's it's tiny. It's it's you know two inch, actually probably about an inch and a half blade. It's it's really small. In case you have to perform an emergency tracheotomy on someone. <laughs> oh, it's just like opening packages. Uh, here we go on their website, carving an avocado. <laughs> <laughs> of the is... most middle class thing I've ever heard. Targeting millennials. Get me my avocado knife, Janice. Opening up your quinoa yeah. of waitrose. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I mean, I, I grew up doing boy scouts when i was a kid you know i grew up in texas like everyone carries knives and it's just sort of like i don't know it's just something i'm used to always having in my pocket it's like the, there's a million different things you can you can use it for and it's it's teeny tiny it's like the blades uh 4.4 cm you know 1.75 inches it's really small but it's just like you know having a swiss army knife equivalent but way more simple and a bit tougher Potentially. Yeah, I, I have a um, sentimental uh, pocket knife that I had from um, my youth when I was living in the uh, in Bath, surrounded by forest and woods and things like that. Um, I've, I've got it on my keyring. It's a, it's an old Opinel. I think it's a 21 model 21. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's tiny. Um, and like yourself, David, I just use it for opening boxes and things like that when I'm in the office. Um, that's the the primary use for it but um yeah it's not it's not dangerous enough it's it's smaller than my pinky so yeah but no no yeah, no avocado do. carving for me <laughs> yeah. well, uh, uh, for everyday carry i'm going to stay on the subject of well knives and blades because mine is just not not really something i carry every day but one of my favorite kind of items for every day around the garden is my um, Nikwai Okutsani secateurs. So they're Japanese made gardening secateurs, um, which I bought at the beginning of lockdown, um, which are completely unnecessary when you've got a tiny London garden, because I don't have nearly enough things to, uh, to chop with them, but they're so, so sharp, um, beautifully made. I've got a, Oh, when I bought them, I bought the um, holster as well. So I've got a secateur holster, which again is completely unnecessary for London gardening. But um, I don't know, just a really nice object to have uh, and something I would highly recommend people buying. But I don't, unlike uh, David and Ilya, I don't carry them around London in my pocket because I'm sure that's probably not legal um, and slightly unnecessary. All your plants must just be little stubs of wood now. You just can't see it. Yeah, when I first got it, I was just like, ooh, secateur. You know, it just it glides through things. I was like, ooh, secateur, snip, <laughs> snip. And they slowly go, slowly go down and down and down. You could use um, them as little beard trimmers. <laughs> I, I probably could. If actually, I was you, yeah. I'd be carrying around London just to cut off all those damn twigs that are always like sticking down from trees over the sidewalk that like hit you in the face when you walk by. You're a tall Maybe guy, I, so you know what I mean. Maybe I should take it to my local park and just start trimming stuff there. Like uh, weaver's like... fields would slowly go down and down and down as it's just like, me bored snipping stuff with a big grin on my face. You're like the gorilla hedge trimmer. <laughs> <laughs> he strikes like, at night. Yeah. <laughs> like going into retirement before your retirement age. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> 
cool. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, my uh, kind of pocket carry, I've got an Emma Opitz ladling keychain. Um, it's like an all leather key fob key um, holder, um, all made of Halloween chronic cell. And um, he kind of wraps it with thread around the outside, which is like a very hard, there's like a, a certain method that he uses, which is like specific to like fishing knots or something like that. And then he wraps around this kind of colored thread to kind of give it a bit more detail and keep all the leather together. Um, and then on the end of that, I have got a lovely bottle opener from Quarter Leather. Um, and he kind of gets them forged in the US somewhere. Let me have a look. New England. Um, and yeah, like you'll always find me near the beers at parties. So uh, a bottle opener is always good to have. Um, there'll always be a moment where someone doesn't have a bottle opener. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what I carry in my pockets. Great stuff. So um, for me, um, I don't carry that much in my pockets apart from my phone and two wallets. Um, I've got a, but my favorite one is uh, my diamond goods. Um, It's like a fetched hand card and coin wallet basically. Um, Because I've got a little bifold wallet as well, but that doesn't have a a coin um, pocket or anything. So um, I needed something else to, uh, to keep my coins. Um, I don't really have, like, I don't really carry much cash anymore nowadays, but um, I did when I, when I bought it. Um, but yeah, I've had it for like, like maybe seven or eight years now. And it's, it's a patina on it is, is amazing. Um, yeah, it's completely, uh, completely changed appearance, obviously, uh, with vegetable tan leather. Um, but yeah, that's, um, it's very simple, like um, nothing, uh, nothing too special. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's probably my uh, my favorite item of uh, of everyday carry. Um, I guess on that note, let's move over to Q and A. This week we've got three different questions sent in by our listeners. So uh, thanks everybody for sending those questions in. Um, I guess to start things off, we had uh, a guy on Instagram named G. Uh, um, he's basically asking us what to do about washing his jeans. Um, he had had a bit of a misfortune in his home life and his uh, jeans got really mucked up and he wanted to wash them, but didn't want to have to worry about, um, you know, kind of ruining their, their six month break in uh, or their, their sort of early fading. So he's just, yeah, asking us for a bit of advice. Um, Andy got back to him with some, some great recommendations. Um, unfortunately, Andy had to drop, so he's got a little baby. Uh, but to kind of recap what we recommended to him, um, we essentially said, hey, man, wash your jeans. Like, by all means, you got to keep them clean. Uh, having your denim be clean and looking after the cotton is more important than, quote, unquote, like fade potential. Um, if, if you're nervous about, you know, breaking them in too fast, you can put them in the bathtub and do a rinse. Um, you know, put some detergent, put some wool light dark, put some, you know, Dr. Bronner's Castile soap, put some... Uh, Mr. Denim wash, soak them for 45 minutes, agitate the heck out of them, rinse them and hang them up. Um, when people often say don't wash your jeans for six months, they don't mean uh, that you shouldn't clean them for six months. Rather, what they're basically saying is that you shouldn't machine wash them for six months. 
So machine washing is what really um, breaks in the denim and can, can potentially crease your denim in a tumble wash or really makes it lose its indigo. But um, when people say don't wash for six months. It's a bit of a misnomer. It really just means um, don't machine wash. So we, we definitely recommend uh, at the minimum giving them a good soak, multiple soaks, bathtub, bucket, doesn't matter. Um, but even if you do have to wash them, you're not going to actually see drastic changes to them. You know, raw denim holds its indigo quite well. And uh, as long as you turn off the spin cycle uh, and you wash it on a jean cycle or even better hand wash uh, machine cycle inside out, turn off the spin because the spin throws the jeans onto the side of the washing machine tub. And that's sometimes how you get creasing in weird places that you didn't expect, like vertical creasing you often see on, on people's jeans. Um, as long as you turn the spin off, you should be okay to, to give them that machine wash as well. Um, yeah, I'd say like the first thing is you don't need to spend ridiculous money on like stupid soaps and stuff like that. Just use like a hand soap, use like fairy liquid. I mean, I like showered mine the other day because I went camping, which was very fun. Um, but my jeans absolutely reeked of fire <laughs> and smoke. Like they were just wafting everywhere. So I was like, oh, I got to do something. <laughs> um, I had like some really cheap, like beard wash stuff that came in a set that probably cost like, you know, two pence or something. And I just kind of lathered that over the top. I literally just kind of showered them out, you know, shower the inside, shower the outside. Absolutely fine after that. So I really don't get kind of, bothering to spend 15 20 quid like save yourself the money <laughs> at the end of the day soap is soap um it's going to do exactly the same thing whether it costs you a quid or 15 um yeah and try and avoid using a wash machine both for the kind of wealth uh, the health of the jeans and kind of the environmental effects of it you know there's lots of um particulates coming off them and going into the water system and stuff so uh, but if you do have to put them in the washing machine, inside out, try not to put anything else in with them to avoid any kind of weird crinkling and stuff like that. Um, and hopefully, like most washing machines will have like a wool setting or a rinse setting, you know, something like that that's, you know, not spinning too much and at a low temperature. So, you know, only try and put the machine on 30, 40 degrees, but try and stay away from that and try and do hand washing as much as possible because it uses a lot less water, um, a lot less indigo is going to wash out. Um, that's, that's the best thing to do. Yeah, and, and I'll add to that. that I, I personally feel that the wait six month thing is complete bullshit, that it's just going to basically ruin your jeans. It's not going to necessarily give you better fades, but you'll get holes in them, you'll blow out the crotch. So whether, you, whether you're going the, the rinse in the bathtub approach, or whether you go in the machine wash with the right settings approach, I firmly believe, and I think you guys probably agree, let me know, that as soon as those jeans smell too bad, like clean them. As soon as you got stuff on them that's going to ruin them, clean them. Like don't be afraid to, to clean your jeans. Definitely. I've, um, like I mentioned earlier, I've been washing, washing my uh, warehouse every 30 days of wear. Um, and I like the fades. Um, I think it's, it's taken about eight months for them to actually need a crotch repair on them which for me before where I would wait longer to wash them they would they would definitely need a, a repair a lot sooner so um, yeah I think wash your jeans if they smell wash your jeans if you've got something on them wash your jeans um, 
and like Tom said, yeah, go for a hand wash if if you can. If they're really bad, go for a machine wash. Um, um, so yeah, that would be my advice. Yeah, I mean, certainly if G wants those kind of like really, really high contrast fades, then, you know, go for it. Don't wash them, but just don't expect people to hug you or come too close to you on the tube. <laughs> and, and, it's, handy. it's handy in these times. They'll stay more than one and a half minutes yeah. away from you. <laughs> you got a natural bubble around you. You won't even have to wear a mask. Like. <laughs> I don't know, man. You get that COVID on your jeans. I'd be one. I want to wash that shit off. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah. I, I will say back to your comment, Tom, about going cheap on the uh, cleaning products. For me, it seems like Dr. Bronner's Castile soap is like the best bang for the buck because it's dirt cheap at like any hippie grocery store. And it's like super, super concentrated. And then lastly, it's Castile soap. So it's not that hardcore on the indigo. And so it's, as far as I've found, that seems to be the best deal for like a good, a good cleaning product for a cheap price. Yeah, but you can just kind of use whatever's in your house already. Like, you know, I, I personally don't see the point of going out to buy extra soap for jeans. And, you know, if, if you use like a bit of hand wash and they smell a bit like mango or something, then fucking great. Like, <laughs> throw than, some of daddy's dad's old spice in there. And yeah, then, you know, it's better that, than smelling bulls. Like. <laughs> cool. So I think. Um, Moving on to the next question. Ilya, you had a question from I Love Egg and Chips. I can read it out for you if that helps. Um, he was asking us what we think about uh, Clovercom's recent comments about Instagram becoming a bit boring, specifically in relation to like folks taking the same pictures of uh, denim and boot combination uh, style pics over and over. Um, well, I, I, I put a response up on uh, on my stories and uh, I basically said that, you know, if if you're bored with something that you're looking at, change change your view. Um, I mean, we, we've all, if, if you've been on Instagram for a couple of years, you would have all seen lots of shots of red wing mock toes and selvage, uh, you know, on a, on a constant basis. And there's nothing wrong with that because you have new people coming in to the scene and wanting to do the same kind of thing and share their experience. Um, I think that's fine. Um, but if you've been on there for a number of years and you're bored of it, yeah, change your view. Um, follow people that post interesting things that you're into. Um, follow some accounts outside of the scene. Um, you know, whether it's motorcycle culture or tattoo culture, you know, whatever you're into, it could, it could be anything. Instagram has such a wealth of images that, you know, go and, go and find something that you like, basically. Um, um, yeah, that, that, that's my, my viewpoint. Um, and that, you know, it's, you know, what, what, what does meaningful content mean? Is there, is it there to inspire us or, you know, it's it's not there to replace the real world. Um, I think we should be using Instagram to dip in and dip out and get in inspiration for it. And um, yeah, just chat with people on there and make make uh, contact via DM and things like that. If you're if you're bored of it, if you're that bored of it and you're kind of oversaturated with it, then take a break and go and do something else, go enjoy a different hobby. I think that's, that's kind of my viewpoint, but people, people are, are wanting to share, you know, their passion, just like uh, all of us did when we started off. And, you know, same with Ben, you know, he, 
he got into this hobby and he was posting, you know, lots of pictures of denim boots and, you know, on, on a daily, um, on a daily basis. So, you know, not everyone's at the same, at the same level uh, into this scene as, uh, as, as we are maybe. Um, but yeah, you just have to find your own interest, I think. Something I'll add to that is um, that what makes denim or boots, whatever into special is the, the fact that like it records your, your, your life, your history, you know, interesting things that have happened in those jeans or in the, those boots, whatever. And I think if you're too caught up on Instagram and worried about like, you know, kind of monotony of the pictures, you're probably missing out on those key life events that are going to make your jeans and denim special. So it's almost like by focusing on other people's pictures, you're missing out the more important things in life. Turn off Insta and go out there and live, create stories in your jeans and boots, and then, you know, uh, come back and share them again. Also, yeah, I think I, what's, what's important about Instagram is uh, some of the pictures may be slightly repetitive. It's more about the community. It's a way of getting to meet people. And, like, you know, as I said, I messaged uh, Mike from Wild Frontier Goods. Do you know what I mean? It's almost a tool to contact and meet all of these people. And I know that uh, I, you know, we've met people on Instagram who've come to the meets in real life. Um, so I think that's more important than the actual kind of content itself. It's about meeting interesting people and about a community. I think most definitely, I think that's, that's definitely the, uh, the biggest um, thing with Instagram for me is like, I think this being mentioned, you know, you, you come for the genes and you stay for the friends. Um, and uh, you know, you, you build such a network of people around the world that if you were to go to New York or Tokyo or, you know, anywhere, almost anywhere around the world, you've got someone who's like-minded who you could have a beer with or a coffee with and um, just, yeah, meet up with someone who's like-minded and uh, have a great time. Um, I think it's important to make those connections in the real world. Um, and that's what I've kind of strived, strived for. And, and I think, you know, with what David and Kevin did with uh, Warnock Global um, at the time, I, had, I think has helped a lot. Um, and has been a great way of uh, meeting people. Um, so. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with that. That was like, um, my, my main reason to create Warnock Global as well. Um, it was like, I moved to London 2012, I think it was. Um, coming from the Netherlands, going to a big city like London, I was expecting there to be denim heads everywhere, <laughs> kind of. Um, but then it was really hard to like find like-minded people. So I was like, oh, let's create an Instagram account and start posting things on there. Um, and that's how I started meeting you guys through that. Um, so that, that was kind of like my main reason. And that's another like probably like interesting thing that I have as well is that I have a personal Instagram account as well. Plus I have the Warner global account. So um, I post all of my denim related stuff on Warner global. And then my personal one is a, is a private account just between me and my friends and family, basically just to like, you know, show them how beautiful Australia is um, from time to time and things like that. Um, which is also, yeah, you know, I, I keep those two kind of, worlds a little bit separate in that sense so um but I'm a, I'm a very like passive user or I have been over the last like year or two like I haven't posted like many updates on on my two last pairs like my purely Japan's and my sugar canes because like 
yeah, I, I, I was just like, I don't really feel the need to be continuously posting content. And for me, is as you all said, it, it's more about like having that community around and just being inspired by what other people are wearing and, and doing in their jeans. And um, that's, that's kind of like how, how I use it. Yeah, it's worth saying that this podcast wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for Instagram and I guess also meetup.com. Like those two yep. platforms are like how this is even, how, how we got to where we are today. So, oh. um, but one thing I, I, I do want to mention a very quick rant and then I'll shut up because I know you guys want to say some stuff too. And that's to all denim heads, please, please, please stop with the crotch shots. There's this kind of thing where like folks get into, they get, they buy a pair of jeans and they're like super chuffed. They're like, I got these new jeans. I want to post fade pictures. I'm lazy. So I'm just going to like aim my phone down at my, at my junk and, and take a picture so you can see how my jeans are breaking in. And the number of times I see pictures of like someone's uh, junk, like bulging through the button fly in their jeans. And it's like, that's all the picture is, is like, oh, crotch. It's like, <laughs> Please, no crosses. I'm going to go post one like straight after this. <laughs> They're my favorite pictures. I've unfollowed a couple of accounts because I feel like that's like all they posted. It's like, it's like, you know, you can lay your jeans on the ground before you put them on in the morning and take a picture of them that way. It's like, I don't or, or, see or stand junk. up and just like, you know, adjust, adjust to the side slightly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like from a creative standpoint, it feels a bit lazy. I know I, I, I was guilty of it a couple of times in the past and I got called out. They're like, why are you posting pictures of your junk? It's like, good point. Sorry. <laughs> why not? <laughs> um, I, I think like kind of a lot of Clubber Calm's kind of um, frustrations is like, you know, the problem with using Instagram, it's very algorithm driven. Um, and, you know, obviously people post stuff and like getting likes. So you want to post stuff that gets more likes. And, you know, I can like, you know, think up this like amazing outfit and I put on all these nice Japanese stuff and go, yeah, yeah, yeah cool. You know, I'll get some likes. You just like post a picture of like a red wing boot and then somebody's like, oh, 200 likes, bam, like straight out of the room. It's just like, oh, fuck, I like took no effort to do. We've got the most likes. But it's just because, you know, the algorithm is running and being like, everyone on your feed likes red wings. Oh, everyone, let's put it on their feed. And, you know, there's, there's some people that I will literally never see on my feed and go, oh, yeah, crap, they exist. Like, <laughs> I remember they it's have an Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just the algorithm is, is just not putting the stuff that, you know, I, I probably would like if it came up on my feed ever. Well, the, the Social Dilemma documentary on Netflix would probably make the argument that, you know, Tom sees pictures of denim crotchies and then runs out and buys more denim. So let's show more denim crotchies or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think at the heart of it, okay. you know, Ben was trying to ask the question is, you know, where do we go from that? And I think, you know, he's searching for something a little bit more um from the scene and i think you know like doing this charity thing and um you know building the the you know the glo global denim hang um and you know it's it, it's an interesting question uh where where does it go from there but yeah i don't know i think most of the guys are on instagram probably just want to post you know their daily fits and things like that um for those people who do want to get involved, you know, Ben's looking for people right now. So give him a shout if you feel like, you know, you can contribute something to that. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah, I do feel like it's a little bit of a like a, a limited hobby to be in because essentially we like clothing and we post pictures of our clothing. So um, you know, it it it's certainly the community has bit up built up and there is a lot of interesting things happening, like these global denim hangs. Um there's always like live videos from like the TCB guys and stuff like that on Instagram. Um so you know, there is a lot more to it. And you know, you've got kind of foundational things like you know clutch magazine and stuff like that which you know people get involved in and certainly you know when they throw their parties in london and stuff um, we always meet up there and you know there's the la hangs uh the europe hangs you know we've got our worn out global in london so again if anyone comes please come i'll buy a drink <laughs> um so it, it has opened up a lot maybe in like the past six months uh, not a lot has happened because we're all stuck at home it, yeah it might open up in the future um you know I, i'd like it too um but then again you know it is as i said limited to clothing Ooh, oh no i wanna there. i have an idea um and you know people do post on the podcast yes tom yes let's do that uh i think we should do a denim summer camp and find somewhere in england where we can all go camping and bring your knives, bring your axes, uh, <laughs> you know. And, and can Lex bring his? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bring his. <laughs> let's go, yeah. Um, let's go to Russia. We can ride bears shirtless in our jeans with, uh, with uh, Putin. Yeah, but I, I think that would just be like a good kind of like chill way for everyone to like kind of hang out over a long weekend and um, do some manly men stuff, drink beer. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, they do, you know, like, you know, but, you know, people can bring families, you know, if they've got a camper van, bring a camper van down, like rack up some tents, start some nice fires. We could all go hiking, drink beer. Uh, I think know, a lot of people stuff. will be up for that, actually. Yeah, I, I'd like to, you know, maybe talk to the global denim guys, global hang guys, and, you know, see if they'd be up for a bit of camping. Ironically, this thing kind of already exists back in America, and it's called a dude ranch. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically where wow. people from the city could go to like a ranch and like be cowboys for a weekend. So like you put on your cowboy <laughs> boots and your bootcut jeans and your jacket, and you like the chase whip. around cows whip. or like try to ride a horse. <laughs> uh, I just think it'd be cool to like kind of have a hang and like you know people from like the UK scene to like be able to meet face to face over a long weekend and you know, meet all those people that you might not necessarily meet on Instagram and, you know, they can bring their families, they can come down on motorbikes, you know, whatever they want. Like. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So That's good. hashtag denim summer camp. So I'm a bit aware of where we are on time. We've got one last question we should try and cover from Texas Cotton. Uh, and he asked Ilya what's his, uh, or what's his thoughts and so I guess what are our thoughts on the most underrated denim brands so uh yeah if anyone wants to kick that off I'll, I'll go first I think um with the absence of Andy since he's had to go I'll I'll do too so I think Andy's was US which we've uh, all kind of talked about um on today's uh podcast I think they're quite underrated um I think they make great jeans great shirts um sweatshirts you name it they they do quality products at a really good uh, price point um 
I, I yeah, I think they're um, they're quite underrated. Although I think a few um, stores have started to pick them up. Um, so yeah, if anyone's looking for something um, a little bit different, uh, uh, a um, a more affordable price range, I think they do great stuff. Um, my personal pick for this one would be Ferro's. Um, I think they are um, a really interesting brand. Um, unlike US, um, they have a wide range of uh, goods available. And um, I think two years ago, they released a really cool um, Frontier series, um, which was based on the 19, I think, early 1900s. Um, so they had a denim jacket and a, and a pair of jeans and some other bits, um, which they released. Um, and yeah, the qual quality is, uh, is really, really high. Um, the, uh, the fabrics that they use are, are really good as well. And, um, yeah, they just constantly produce interesting, uh, designs and, um, and garments. Cool. And, uh, I'd like to add on to that, uh, though I have to put a, a bit of a disclaimer in front of it, um, that I would actually say Black Horse Lane Ateliers is one of the most underrated brands. Um, I did work there with the company for multiple years, so uh, I'm biased and you need to take my opinion with a pinch, pinch of salt. Um, I'm not employed by them now, but uh, yeah, I think they make amazing jeans. Their construction details are on par with like Rogue Territory and a lot of the brands that are doing you know, one piece fly construction, um, all felled seams, like they really, really push the envelope, you know, belt loops, sewn to the waistband, et cetera. So from a construction standpoint, they're, they're incredible jeans. Um, they're made in London. So they've got that same provenance that like, you know, Telesun has making in San Francisco or uh, RGT and 316 have making in LA. So it's like, it's a proper made in London uh, jean. And then the owner Han really tries to kind of do the best he can to offer this. It's not necessarily direct pricing, but it, it's that idea of, you know, because he makes them in his own factory and he sells them, he tries to offer them to you at a price point that's far below what those jeans would cost if they went through the regular sort of manufacturer to wholesale to retail channels. So um, I believed in them when I worked there and I still believe in them that they're a, a fantastic gene for the price and really underrated. I was uh, in Black Horse Lane yesterday, actually. Um, I bought uh, my girlfriend her first pair of raw denim jeans. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, mate, awesome. I didn't make them because generally when I've made her stuff in the past, she doesn't really wear it. And I was like, the easiest way is just <laughs> to take her somewhere she can try them on. And Han was actually in the shop at the time. So he basically kind of talked her through all the different fits. Um, just got a really nice pair. I think Japanese... Um, I think it's Kuroki or something like that, denim. A really nice pair, fit beautifully. They hand them in store. So yeah, I'd, I'd second it and highly recommend, uh, highly recommend buying a pair. Yeah, my girlfriend also got her first Raws from Black Horse, a pair of uh, stretch Raws. So there's raw denim, but also a stretch in it. Same. Yeah, actually, same, same pair, I think, uh, is, is the ones that your girlfriend's got, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome pair. Come on, Tom, get your girlfriend on it. Now, I got her to, uh, she bought some Lee jeans in like some stretch salvage. Um, but yeah, she's not as fussed about it as me. So <laughs> <laughs> she really wears, she's like trying to keep them pristine and like looking fresh. Um, yeah. I'm just like, no beads. 
Uh, underrated brand. Uh, can I say United Overalls? No. <laughs> Let me know when that joke gets on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As long as you mention that, that, it's, that it's your own company and that's why you say it. <laughs> <laughs> For those people who don't know yet. <laughs> um, uh, do you know what I, I, I was going to say Steven Snow for all and Ilya was a bit like, oh no, people do like them. But I think people like say like, oh yeah, Stevenson make nice jeans, but people don't realise that they are insanely fucking well-made jeans. Um, they're kind of, the really thin French felled seams that they do is like impossibly hard to do reliably and quickly so that it just doesn't come apart straight away. So whoever they're, sewers are are like insanely good um and it's just for the price it's you know should probably cost double for the amount of time that goes into making them and then all of like curved pockets and stuff it's absolutely mad so people kind of go oh yeah steamson yeah yeah they're really nice they do some nice jackets and stuff it's like no 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 <laughs> their jeans are insanely good <laughs> like, it is yeah. crazy how good they are um yeah yeah, and then my other one would maybe be Workers Co. Japan because their shirting is like insanely like well done. Um, and again, they will do these like tiny, tiny little seams that I don't know how they come apart straight away, but they're like incredibly solid and incredibly reliable. And they're so good at doing like all the vintage little details. Um, and, and maybe I'll throw one more Spellbound and Omnigod, like the Domingo group. Um, they're sometimes overlooked. Yeah, I'll give a plus one to your Stevenson. I think if you if you just look at them, you're like, wow, these are cool jeans with cool details. But if you open that book, Jeans of the Old West, which shows what like these really high-end tailors were were creating in the late 1800s, early 1900s in California, then you go, oh man, actually Stevenson's recreating this stuff that would come from like high-end tailors. Wow, what they're doing is from another time and place and no one else is doing that. So I think I think from a construction standpoint, that they're they're incredible. And we've got think, what, what, we've got one more question. If um, yeah, go for it. Yeah. So um, Buster the Human um, has asked, "What era, thirties, forties, or fifties, uh, do you think your cap captures your wardrobe the best?" That's a great one. So I think we might even do a discussion topic about that at some point about kind of how all, all of our styles differ. Um, so so stay tuned for a potential discussion topic on that down the road. Um, I think for me, it's, it's as modern as I can get. Like I actually really love the idea of denim and materials that uh, patina and fade being more like technical garments, almost like an Arcteryx would design something. So for me, it's modern to future looking uh, brands. The more modern, the more I like it. I'm not really a, a heritage guy so much. I appreciate the, the, the provenance and the history, but yeah, for me, it's the more modern looking, the better. Although, uh, I'm not going to be running around in like Rick Owens and Dark Shadow type stuff. It still has to be clean and contemporary. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same. More, uh, more of a modern, conventional look. Um, like I tend to go for like very tapered jeans as well. Um, um, yeah, as you as you say, I love the like I like the heritage look, but it just doesn't look very good on me. Um, I find at the moment. Maybe that will change over time, but. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm along the same lines, indeed. Sorry, Ilya. Go ahead, mate. No worries, no worries. Um, personally, I would say I, although I, I, anything probably before 1950s is kind of what I've been recently going for. Um, and probably most of the mama items are 
1940s based if 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 uh, if i had to have a look at them so um with the military kind of styling it, it's kind of a lot of it's uh, world war ii era um some of the jeans and um designs are probably 30s and um maybe some are even 20s um so yeah i'd i'd say um uh 1940s would probably best uh would fit me um and um yeah i like kind of the more wider cuts more boxy silhouettes um for what i wear um and just yeah based on kind of old american uh clothing from from that era yeah i'd say for me like i try and kind of i, I prefer stuff that's 30s and earlier um i feel like the 40s is when stuff became maybe a little bit simpler in terms of the details um you know kind of a lot of the manufacturers were kind of trying to churn out more rather than quality um but in terms of fit you know i i do prefer a little bit more of a taper because i am skinny and tall so none of that kind of early boxy stuff really looks too great on me um, so like kind of when I designed my jeans specifically, I kind of went for that old school high rise, but a little bit of a taper so that it doesn't look too silly on me. Uh, but, you know, I, I I like straight cuts as well. I've got some Lee 101 Bs that are like super wide, uh, big turn up on them. Uh, so that's like super, super 30s style. Um, and yeah, I've got like 30s chore coats, 20s and 30s style work shirts and stuff like that. So that's usually the earlier era, the better for me. I'm probably uh, 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 more like David and Kevin. I don't particularly have a decade or a style that I'd go to. Like I like some heritage items, but I just kind of, kind of wear whatever really. So whatever I feel like. I definitely feel like your style sometimes channels that kind of like 90s Seattle grunge kind of vibes. You know, plaids, flannels, beard, yeah. And ri- ripped up, ripped up old jeans. Yeah, probably that's not, not intentional, but... Uh, yeah, maybe I just kind of like never grew past uh, that kind of te- listening to Nirvana as a teenager. Yeah, so you could, you could have been like a lead singer from a grunge band. It's a, it's a compliment, by the way. I was going to say, I take <laughs> that as a compliment. Yeah, no, no, I'll take that as a no, compliment. No, I think it's cool. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, I think that, yes, I think that probably draws us to a close of episode four of the Sons of Selvage podcast. I hope you'll join us again next month. In the meantime, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or Stitcher. Rate and review us. Uh, It really helps us improve each episode. And lastly, please follow us on Instagram at Sons of Selfish Podcast. This is also the perfect place to send us any questions you'd like us to cover or even discussion topics uh, for future episodes. So thanks, everybody, for listening in, and keep fading. Bye-bye. Wasn't there supposed to be like an outro song one of you guys was going to sing? Like a jingle but it will all scat into the mics. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to scat after this call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. I think uh, I need to... Uh... Everybody needs to jump off. <laughs> yeah, jump off. Run away. Off yeah. jump off. I got to piss like a racehorse. So. Uh, I'll, I'll send you a nice crotch shot from the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Please don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Okay, guys. Oh, lovely Lord. to talk to you. Cool. See awesome. you guys later. Yeah, that's a good episode, guys. Bye-bye. Well, um, Bye-bye. Thank you later, guys. Bye. Bye.